Welcome to another edition of Linking the Travel Industry, where we discuss travel industry news you want to talk about. Just a bit of housekeeping before we continue. We do record the session because we make it available as a podcast afterwards, and we'll give you more information about that towards the end of the session. So with that out of the way, my name is Rian, and I'm one of your hosts today. I am the CEO of Agentivity, where we help travel management companies gain insight into and control of their businesses. And I am Anne. I work as a independent consultant in the travel industry, and I'm associated with the brands of uh, both LeapShift and ExploreTech. And welcome, everybody. Hello, everyone. My name is Ash, and I am the host of a weekly business travel podcast called What's Up in Business Travel, where we give you all the important updates in under 15 minutes. Additionally, I'm the vice president of sales at Traxo, and this is Linking the Travel Industry. So like Anna Ashford, welcome everybody. We really appreciate your time. Thank you for joining us today. Familiar faces and some new ones. It's always nice to see. The format of this discussion is around a post I do on a Friday where I've gathered some interesting stories uh, we think we all want to talk about relating to the travel industry and then we discuss them on here. We are going to kick off with um, A, a lot of uh, news from India and B, uh, I just looked at the list, Ash, the entire list is pretty much aviation, aviation, aviation. So we didn't really fulfill our mission of also including other others, or I did not in my list, so I apologize for that. It's going to be quite airline heavy. And then one of the people who posted is joining us today, Mikhail. Um, so by all means, raise your hand, get yourself on stage, and we will talk about your story because I do know that you have an appointment to go on. Starting with that Indian aviation news, um, which kind of led to the story from Mikhail, apart from learning that they are going to add uh, Gatwick as a destination, Air India is uh, set to order up to 500 new jets. So um, that's quite a big order. I've been seeing subsequent posts about who's going to get that, uh, whether it's Boeing or Airbus. Of course, that uh, bidding game is now on. And um, then I saw a post by um, Cal, which was posing an interesting uh, proposition about what some of those negotiations might mean. Mikhail, we appreciate your time. We know it's rushed because you have to go off to an appointment. If you can do us a, a quick intro and then tell us what it is that you posted about regarding Boeing and Airbus. Just a short introduction. I'm Mikhail Ross. I write about aviation. I'm currently a deputy editor at Aerotime. The Indian uh, commercial aviation scene, I don't know how familiar are, are the people listening today, but it, it's really fascinating. I mean, the last couple of decades, it's been following a very interesting path with since liberalization, it, it became such a competitive market, it was possible to fly so cheap in India. And there were all these new low-cost airlines coming in, into scene. Then there was some um, rationalization because there are some airlines basically went bankrupt, like Kingfisher, Jet Airways. But now the, the big story is that there's these huge orders. For the airlines that remain in the market, they have these huge outstanding orders. We had Indigo, which is a leading low-cost airline, has about 700 airlines on order. They had 300 now, but they have another. They have been racking up orders like crazy. They had a 700 at some point. I don't know how many of those are delivered now, but at least 500 still left to be delivered. Then the, there was the news that Air India, after it got acquired by the Tata Group and merged with Vistara, is preparing another huge order of 500 aircraft. And then there are other startup airlines like Akasa that has 72 aircraft on order. Spicejet had some financial issues, but theoretically it still has a huge order in, in place as well. Then some others, I mean, Jet Airways might come back and place another order. So in total, 
the reports I read is that there's like 2,000 planes on order for the next decade. So that's pretty huge. And there were some reports saying that the Indian government was kind of suggesting to both Airbus and Boeing that they should install a final assembly line in India. Uh, given the size of the local market. Could be really interesting. Uh, right now, Boeing has all the final assembly lines in the U.S. Airbus has a more decentralized structure because it has one in the U.S. and one in, in China, in Tianjin. If you look at the production in Tianjin, which is possibly the most the closest parallel here, uh, Tianjin, it's been on for about 14 years. It was opened in 2008. And since that time, it has produced 600 aircraft of the A320 family with the current production rates. That could actually fit in into this, these numbers. Again, there, are some, there might be some other considerations, financial, etc., but why not? Those are incredible numbers. I mean, I was only aware of the total group order, but you've just added a few others, so that's 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 significant. Just two quick questions for you from my side. Yeah. How likely is it, do you think, that Airbus and uh, Boeing are entertaining that idea? And secondly, what is meant by final assembly line? First question, how likely? Airbus has done it in the past. The Airbus military is already installing a final assembly line for a military aircraft, the C-295, in partnership with another company of the Tata Group in India, in Gujarat. There's already a precedent. There's already a precedent in, in other regions, but there's already a precedent in India of Airbus collaborating with the local industry. So I think that's a subjective opinion, but maybe Airbus is slightly more likely to do so. Also, I think the, the order book is slightly bigger for Airbus at the moment. What's the final assembly line? So it's basically the facility where the aircraft comes into being. So you, you have all these suppliers bringing different parts and components, and that's the place where the, oh, everything comes together. You could get components that come with different levels of, let's say, of completion. And then they, they have this huge facility where they basically assemble all these semi-finished components and make the plane, basically. So that's the final assembly line. So this story is actually quite interesting to me um, as well, Miguel. So thank you for putting it together and writing it. I think the Indian government is looking at this from a business sense, which is really how they should look at it. And of course, uh, Tata Sons is uh, doing exactly the same because they have history of being able to understand how to develop new businesses within uh, India. So it's kind of a really cool story at the same time. It's not a surprise if you know Tata very well, mm -hmm. um, but at the same time that Boeing is willing to actually think about this and discuss this is, of course, also an added value here. So, you know, for India to do this, uh, it'll totally change the Indian industry. India does not make planes, but I think that when you're talking about putting in FALs and you're talking about hiring people, you're talking about creating a new industry, I'm sure that this will be associated with Tata in a really amazing way. And now you're talking about the possibility of maybe India getting into the aviation business and maybe building planes by learning how to do it in the first place. So this well, is uh, going to have huge, I think, huge uh, ramifications as we move forward. One one detail here is yeah. that India does make planes, but uh, military okay. planes. Yes, yes, um, yes. So yes, there, there, there is already an aerospace industry in India, and, and also space actually. So there there is a there is a already a, an industry and flight chains, but but obviously, yeah, that would be a, a huge uh, move uh, also for for the Indian industry and what it means. And also, I don't know, I'm, I'm not that much of an expert in that part of the, of the business, but I guess 
has also opportunities to supply other assembly lines in other parts of the world. Speaking of Indigo, by the way, uh, there was news this mm-hmm. week that they have a code share now with Qantas. We're adding 250 Qantas code share flights on top of Indigo. So you're talking about uh, Indigo becoming much bigger and bringing in a lot, a lot more travelers than in the past. No, it's, it's huge. I mean, they have huge plans. Thank you so much for joining comments. us, Mikhail. It was so nice to see you again and, and, yeah. and chat again. Uh, we would love for you to come back. Thank you so much. My next story on my list related to United Airlines starting the year with very strong results, but they were also in the news with um, Scott Kirby being quite outspoken. I can't recall whether it was last week or the week before, but um, I, saw, I saw further articles about that. But either way, they've posted really strong uh, financial results. Uh, any comments on that from either of you? For me, this is not a surprise, actually, because we have been seeing a lot of great stuff from United over the course of the entire 2022 year. I think that United did a lot of difficult uh, work uh, in 2021. And 2022 was a year where they shifted from, of course, flying, uh, which is what they do. And they developed their IT structure and they did a lot of other work. So Southwest, maybe you should have done the same. But with that being said, I think United is now set up for great success. And somebody like Scott Kirby, I think he's got some great insights. He's got great history in the airline industry. So he's the right leader at the right time for the job. And so we've seen United slowly start to become the airline that it used to be. And it's now going to uh, have some great numbers because now the, the numbers will speak for themselves with, you know, revenues rising 51% from a year ago uh, to record profits in the fourth quarter. I mean, this is just good stuff. And I think that we're going to keep seeing United go on. And as demand starts to increase and as supply starts to follow demand a little bit closely, uh, we're going to start to see a lot more of this uh, for United. So I'm not surprised. And I'm actually going to be looking forward to hearing every quarter of 2023 be a good quarter for United. I must say, I'm not, you know, I totally echo that and second that what Ash said about, you know, United really utilized the pandemic and that time to build up, you know, to become digitally savvy, one of the most savvy airlines in the world. And this is paying off. And I was actually talking to someone about this earlier today. And we said, it's been remarkably quiet from the European airlines on the Southwest meltdown and, uh, of, you know, operational servicing of being able for, for passengers to, to service bookings themselves and how to handle irregular operations, etc. And that is, of course, because European airlines are so far behind United that you know, it's, it's really, truly is embarrassing. I mean, this whole concept of you have to be able to change and and and, and refund um, in, in the app and online. And I mean, United's got it all down pat. Not surprised. You say that, uh, and because it, there was, you know, I mentioned this briefly, but uh, what did you then make of Scott Kirby's comments where he said, you can't run your airline like it's 2019 or you will fail. And bear in mind, 2019 was only a couple of years ago. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I think, you know, is he pointing at the Southwest and the European airlines or those comments? Is that what he's doing? Yeah, I think it's definitely hinting towards the European airlines. And, and of course, that has to be because of, you know, those partnerships. And uh, sadly, and, and we've spoken about this, uh, Rian, is that we see some airlines making it worse for for passengers today you know there is less Mm self-service and uh and and this is something that we see in 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 europe and um it's it's really tragic because it should be customer experience and and facilitating for the customer should be that should be number one absolutely ashley do you have any comments on that uh wording from scott kirby where he was talking about you can't run your airline like it's 2019 
think it's just a jab and it's okay. When you're rising, you tend to have a little bit more spunk in your wording. So yes. I think it's okay that he has this moment because I think he probably worked hard and deserves it a little bit. Uh, but I do want to point out that there was a Wall Street Journal airline performance of 2022 report that came out this past week. What they talk about is ranking the U.S. airlines, and it shows the change in how the airlines rank from 2020 to 2022. The rankings are not just based on the on-time performance like we see on so many other rankings, but this actually looks at a little bit more deeper in, into the how the uh, travelers are feeling. They look at lost bags, denied boardings, and other things like that too. So it's a complete picture. And what you see with United Airlines specifically is that in, in 2020, United was number seven out of nine. So not a good place to be. In 2022, just two years later, United is ranked number four out of nine. So they went from number seven to number four, and they have the largest shift in the positive direction of any U.S. airline. Mm. So this is indeed a huge mm. shift. And of course, you know, when you do this kind of stuff, the numbers show up. The numbers are not a surprise. They always are a reflection of the reality of a company. And so in this case, United is uh, doing the right thing. Yeah, I'd like to add to that is that, yeah, I think that Scott Kirby is definitely hinting um, towards, you know, some of some of the partner airlines, because are we seeing much progress in the same direction with the partner airlines? Not much. Yeah. So that's what I'm reading into that. Back to then uh, those European airlines like who likes to drag their feet, right? And the story about um, it's just never ending. It feels like I'm watching a Groundhog Day. This Lufthansa IT Airways <laughs> deal. What? I mean, it just never ends. So now they've made they've made a formal offer. Is that correct, Anne? And they they might get forty percent. Yes, yes. It's like we said, it never ends. It's like oh. every week there's something, uh, something about this. I, I really hope that we can just get on with it. Personally, I'm a bit worried here that Lufthansa obviously would like to own all of it, but they are never going to get that. And I think it's just going to be such a difficult deal, this. But uh, that's just my view. I might be very wrong. Let's, let's see what happens. Ash, uh, what, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, did you thought this was finally over, still going on? I'm not talking about the story anymore. It's really boring and I'm done. Call me when it's over and it's a done deal. That's yes. what I want to know now. There we go. There's our t-shirt for the week. ITA always call us when it's over. There we go. I agree. I agree. Yes. Anybody I think they're else? just getting free promotion. I think this is a marketing yeah. ploy of some sort, you know? They just, how do we get into the news without paying anything? Well, just try yes. to sell yourself and let's see who comes knocking and then that's yes. how we get into the news. And then play hard to get and then, you know, do it all over again. That's true. But it's just so boring, though. I it mean, is. they should have some more sensational stuff in those stories yes. to sort of... Well, Oh, I mean, it can't be too <laughs> yes. sensational. Finnair, been in the news this week quite a bit, but the, the story relates to them partnering with Aaron Guru. Or Correct, Aaron Guru. Uh-huh. And um, you want to tell us more about the story? I mean, the partnership is for them to focus on coming up with better pricing solutions. Is that right? Yeah, and Guru is one of very, very few companies who have uh, innovative solutions in the automation, you can say, of pricing is, is very heavy, typically outsourced, costly, of course. I think to explain it a bit better is that it brings in philosophy of revenue management into its product. It ingests a lot of predictive analysis analysis, a lot of, you know, like like shopping data, demand data, ingesting all sorts of, of data mm. into the pricing uh, 
decisions and pricing automation. It's very interesting. It's a very interesting company. They're based out of Chile. Yeah, who came up with that name, though? It looks like they made a spelling mistake and they accidentally added an name <laughs> in there. It's quite difficult to... Um, but it catches your attention, right? It Doesn't does. it? It does. Yeah. yeah, we are talking about it and I will all remember it. That's true. Coincided with Fenair making big and bold announcements this week about wanting to introduce continuous pricing and also restrict their domestic traffic <laughs> out of Edifact, right? So we, we all commented on those stories and we're all asking how are they going to do it? Do you think this is one of the ways or is there no real connection between what they're doing here with Aaron Guru and their ambitions on continuous pricing? Is Aaron Guru replacing Amadeus revenue management of some sort? I assume that Finnair still has a revenue management system and that system has been you know, for a long time, Amadeus revenue management. And um, I assume that Aaron Guru is a, a complement to that system, but you know, it could be that it replaces it as some sort of long-term decision. Yes. It's it's not at all related to anything NDC that has absolutely nothing to do with it. And then of course they made these and it's a bit like the Finner announcement that I found very, very confusing. They seem to sort of bundle all these announcements together. Is the Edifax stuff and, yeah. and how they are going to remove fares. Uh, which has nothing to do with another announcement, but they seem to bundle that, the announcement that they are introducing yeah. continuous pricing. It was very frustrating to me as well, and I had to post, but I just could yeah. not uh, hold back. Um, Ash, did you see those posts and uh, any comments on Aaron Guru? Have you heard about them before? I never heard of them before, but I kind of like their name to your earlier point. <laughs> Finnair's Edifex story, the specifics of that story are that they're going to be doing this only for the domestic market. That's right. right. They're saying the actual domestic traffic, they want to limit their domestic traffic uh, not to be distributed by Edifex. What does yeah. it mean? No, no. Because so that means that with the flights within, right? But one of the questions yeah. Anne and I posed and, and, and talked about as well was um, how, how does that work with partner airlines and wanting to mm. book domestic mm. travel? Yeah, they haven't thought of all that yet. You know, <laughs> from, from a very from a very high level point, right? What they're trying to do is they're trying to shift the demand. I mean, they're trying to do in the market that will impact the least, where there's least competition, least everything, and therefore they can control it the most, right? Yes. So if you're flying with, within that domestic market, they're going to say, hey, yeah. you can't book this on Sabre. You have to book this on our website or through some uh, NDC channel that we have have approved, right? So that's, those are the choices. But for everything outside, which I would, I don't know the percentage, maybe, and you know the percentage, for everything outside of the domestic market, which is really where the majority of their flights are, it's business as usual. It really does not make sense to me at all, Ash, because like you say, this is a very small market. I mean, actually, the Nordics is a very small market. It's 27 million people in total. They can't have that many domestic flights. So who are on these domestic flights that are just point to point within Finland? Well, that can't be that many because, you know, it's usually feeder traffic. Are they removing these flights domestic from those feeder transfers in any way? I mean, in that case, it doesn't make sense to me whatsoever. Well, they might do that initially or they may not. But if they do do that initially, they're going to then realize that they've screwed up. So they're going to add it back in for the feeder, like you mentioned. <laughs> well, it's, it's just so bizarre, yeah. isn't it? The sort of statements. And then I also wonder, what does removing these domestic flights mean? Does it mean that we remove the fares for these? And, and in that case, where do they go? <laughs> My 
next story was good news out of Schiphol Airport, out of Amsterdam, where they are finally going to end passenger cap by the summer of 2023. Um, so, um, you know, that's coming up soon. I saw that in a post by Martijn from Furt from Carlson's. But um, finally, some good news from Schiphol, right? I think that this is actually a good story. Uh, and of course, this is the airport that has a new airport manager because the previous guy got fired and had no history in the aviation business. Uh, so this person, I think, is making a lot of changes. This is actually the right step at the right time. Hopefully this works and I think it will. And are you optimistic about it? Will remain this uh, ending of the cap? Uh, hopefully it will. I, I really, I think it's, uh, there's another endless saga. How long have we been talking about Schiphol Airport? <laughs> My final story on my list was relating to a very interesting twist in a tale, which I thought was, was kind of bittersweet. And I, I'm sure you like the story, Ash, which was about Virgin Atlantic being a UK airline that they got slapped fine by the US Department of Transportation for a briefly violating ban when they flew over Iraq. Did you see that story, Ash? And did you see why they eventually got the fine? I did see the story and they got the fine because it's a code share with Delta. So yes. now they're following US rules uh, when it comes to that. Obviously, the fine's going to decrease. It's not going to be the $1 million I think that they initially said it was going to be. You know, this is following regulations. Um, interesting story, right, Dan? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I wasn't surprised surprised at all. And I always talk about you have to understand what it really means to code share. And this is precisely what it means. When you code share, you, you are becoming that other airline. And you're also taking on the responsibilities and the obligations of that airline. So there's absolutely no surprise at all that this could, could happen. <laughs> My company that I work for, Traxo, has formed a partnership with Rian's company, Agentivity, uh, to offer off-channel bookings. Dear. That's right. It's always, bit, it's always a bit uh, weird for me to include my own business in the news. Well, I'm, it's not weird for me. I'm American, so I'm going to go do it anyway. Yes. Congratulations, guys. It's so great this was, uh, Yeah, this was something that Rian and I started talking. And of course, you know, this is a pretty big deal in the industry because servicing off-channel bookings that business travelers are making is a great value for TMCs. And of course, Agentivity has a relationship with the TMCs and with Traxo, we're going to start to see all of this. So if you haven't seen the press release, uh, go to Agentivity's website and you'll be able to see the press release there and other things like that. But I'm super excited about this. I think we're going to do some great work this year, 2023. And thank you, Rian, for your partnership and for being a great friend and, of course, helping in getting this deal done. No, absolutely. I, I don't I don't think we are going to do great work. Here. I know we are going to do great work here because also That's from great. the responses we're getting and the, the customers coming back to us and, and new business coming to us based on this news, we know we are onto a good uh, issue there for agents. So yes, um, we are very, very excited about it. But yeah, that was that was good news this week as well. So thank you for mentioning that, Ash. Um, I was too, too shy to mention that. That's why we have you on the show, right? <laughs> that's right. But that's it for me. Those are my stories. Thank great. you. Great. And those were the stories from my side and, and from you all. So um, all that's left for me again is to say for those in the audience, thank you again for joining us, uh, regular uh, listeners and others. Uh, we really appreciate your time. And um, Ash and Anne, from my side, thank you very much to you both. Thank you, Rianne, and thank you, everybody in the audience. And we thank you all for joining today's session. And we host this LinkedIn audio call every week on Monday. And it's all about linking the travel industry. Please share this event with everybody that you know. If you enjoyed the session, chances are that others that you know will as well. And if you cannot make the show for any reason because of time zone or availability, this session is available as a podcast on businesstravel360.com. You can subscribe by searching Business Travel 360 on your favorite podcast player. This is Linking the Travel Industry, signing off. <music>